Chapter number one, understanding literary and archaeological sources. See, this chapter, which is of 46 pages, deals with our historical texts, foreign travelers' accounts, basics of archaeological sources like inscriptions, coins, nothing else. From exam viewpoint, this chapter contains lots of works and their authors. It has detailed boxes about Harsharita and Brahmi script. So here is just exam-specific content of this chapter. Just mug it up or add it to your notes of NCRT. Let's go. Prajna Paramita. This is the photo given on the introduction page of the chapter. And there was a question in prelims exam also on this. So what is Prajna Paramita? It is the perfections whose attainment led to Bodhisattva path. Now, Rajatrangini. It is a work by Kalhan. It is a work of around 1150 AD. Kalhan is described as India's first historian. Olai in Tamil and Talpatra in Sanskrit are terms for manuscript. There can be a question like Olai in Talpatra. Now there is an important chronology figure about Vedic texts, Vedang texts, Mahabharata, Ramayana, Dharma Sutra, about the composition of all these major texts. So chronology can be asked. Whatever texts man, many ancient personalities wrote were majorly part of Dharma Shastra, Upanishads, Buddhism and Jain literature. They were all majorly in Sanskrit, Pali and Prakrit. There were various dialects of Prakrit, for example Maharashtri, Shorseni and Magadhi. Apabhramsha is a term used for the further development of Prakrit up to the end of the first millennium CE. Among the Dravidian languages, Tamil has the oldest literature. This is a fact that among the Dravidian languages, Tamil has the oldest literature. The term classical Sanskrit refers to the language whose rules were codified by the 5th 4th century BCE grammarian Panini in his Ashtadhyayi. Another important Sanskrit grammar is Patanjali's Mahabhashya. The oldest surviving Prakrit grammar is Vararuchi's Prakrit Prakash. So, Panini's Ashtadhyayi, Patanjali's Mahabhashya and Vararuchi's Prakrit Prakash. All three are important. And the Tolakapiyam is the oldest surviving Tamil grammar. You heard those terms Shruti and Smritis? So, Vedas are Shruti. Whereas Smriti texts include Vedang, Puran, Epics, Dharma Shastra, and Niti Shastra. Each Veda, you know all four names, has four parts Sahita, Brahman, Aranyak, and Upanishad. Brahmans. They are prose explanations of the Sahita portions and give details and explanations of sacrificial rituals and their outcome. Aranyaks. They are forest books which interpret sacrificial rituals in a symbolic and philosophical way. Upanishads They are 108, but main are just 13. There was a question on Satyamir Jayati taken from Mundaka Upanishad, a previous year question. So, Upanishads contain many philosophical ideas about sacrifice, the body and the universe, but are most closely associated with the concepts of Atman and Brahman. So there can be a very simple question like the concepts of Atman and Brahman are related to and the options can be given like Brahman, Aranyak, Upanishad or Vedanta. So answer will be Upanishad. So think about 
the questions in these manner vedang they are limbs of veda ved plus ang help to understand vedas better they are part of smriti text and are six in number shiksha chand vyakaran nirukt kalp jyotish now vedang composed during 600 200 bce remember that all dates are not fixed they are simply an approximation now shiksha dealt with phonetic chand with mitra vyakaran with grammar nirukt with etymology kalp with ritual jyotish with astronomy now many versions of ramayana apart from valmiki ramayana which seems to be the oldest version there are numerous other tellings of the rama story a jain version the paumacharyu of vimal suri in prakrit a buddhist version the dashrath jataka in pali a 12th century tamil version by kamban the iramavataram and ramacharitmanas 16th century by tulsidas to name only a few so there can be a question like uh, paumacharyu or iramavataram dashrath jataka all related to these are the versions of ramayana now vimal suri composed paumacharyu so try to remember like this archaeological excavations at places mentioned in the mahabharata for example hastinapur kurukshetra panipat tilpat bagpat mathura and berat have given evidence of a pottery called painted graveyard which goes back to 1000 bce puranas are amazing many ott series these days hover around these tombs the conception of time in the puranas is mind boggling there are four ages or yuga krita treta dwapar and kali all consisting of thousands and thousands of years these four yugas make up a mahayuga and thousand mahayugas constitute a kalpa every kalpa is divided into 14 manvantaras each presided over by a manu one yuga follows the other and the periodic destruction of the world is followed by its recreation this cycle of time is connected with the cyclical decline and revival of dharma see this is not re- relevant for prelims just uh, to give you some exciting input i mentioned this that's it nothing else the puranas have accounts of mountains rivers and places which are useful for the study of historical geography puranas like vayu brahmand brahma harivansh matasya and vishnu do provide useful information on ancient political history they refer to historical dynasties such as the haranyaks shishunags nandas mauryas shungas kanvas and andras andras also known as satvanas what is dharma dharma refers to the proper <laughs> ideal conduct of a person living in a society a course of action which leads to the fulfillment of the goals of human life these goals known as purusharthas are dharma artha kama and moksha the concept of dharma is closely tied up with the idea of sansar the cycle of birth death and rebirth dharma shastras these are a special group of sanskrit texts dealing specifically with dharma they are in three groups dharma sutras composed during 600 to 300 bce they are part of vedang literature then smritis composed during 2200 bce to 900 bce sorry 900 ad the third include brief and elaborate commentaries 
टीकाज एंड भाष्याज रिस्पेक्टिवली कलेक्शंस विथ कॉमेंट्स एंड कंक्लूजन्स नोन एज निबंध एंड कंपेंडिया ऑफ व्यूज फ्रॉम डिफरेंट टेक्स्ट नोन एज संग्रह ऑल कंपोज बिटवीन द नाइन्थ एंड नाइनटीन सेंचुरी A person's dharma depend on gender, age, marital status, varna and ashram. The four varnas are Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya and Shudra. The first three of these are referred to in the Brahmanical tradition as dvija, literally means twice born, as they alone have the right to the sacred thread ceremony, which is considered similar to a second birth. The ashram system went through several stages of development and ultimately divided the life of a dvija male into four stages. Brahmacharya, celibate student, studenthood; Grihastha, the householder stage; Vanaprastha, partial renunciation; and Sannyasa, complete renunciation. Enough for Brahmanical literature. Now moving to UPSC's favorite, Buddhist and Jain literature. Now I draw a diagram on Buddhist literature. So do read it. That's uh, very important, actually. it call about three tipitakas and out of all that there is one important nikaya which is part of sutta pitak that is khuddak nikaya khuddak nikaya consist three important works jatakas jatakas are buddha's previous birth stories dhammapada these are ethical sayings and theragatha and therigathas theragatha is a songs of buddhist monk and therigathas are songs of buddhist nuns All these three compositions, sorry, four compositions are part of Sutta Pitaka's Khuddak Nikaya. You already know Sutta Pitaka has five Nikayas, which are Dighan Nikaya, Madhyam Nikaya, Samyukta Nikaya, Angutra Nikaya, and Khuddak Nikaya. Khuddak Nikaya is important. Some Buddhist non-canonical works in Pali language: Milinda Panha. It is a dialogue between King Milinda, Greek Menander, and monk Nagasena. Neti Gandha. or neeti pakrana the book of guidance the first connected life story of the buddha kakars in the nidan katha the pali or sri lankan chronicles the deepavansha and mahavansha contain a historical come mythical account of the buddha's life the buddha's council sorry the buddhist councils the maurya emperor ashoka the kings of sri lanka and the rival of buddhism on that island buddhist work in sanskrit Mahayana school promoted it. Lalit Vistar, a hagiography of the Buddha associated with the Sarvasti Vada school, Buddha Charita by Ashwagosha, Mahavastu, sacred biography of Buddha, Avadana texts. These texts contain moral stories. Avadana Shatak and the Divya Avadana, which have stories connected with the Buddha and Ashoka. The first century, Ashta Sanghasrika. Prajnaparamita and Sadharma Pundarika offer accounts of the various Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, and Mahayana doctrines. Jain literature. Jain books are called Siddhant or Agama. The genealogical lists in the Jain Patwalis and the Theravalis. Remember, Theravalis are part of Jain literature, and we also learned Theragatha. So Theragathas are part of Buddhist literature. so don't be confused with these terms so again the genealogical lists in the jaina pattavalis and the theravalis contain very precise chronological details about the jain saints 
छेया सुत्ता मूल सुत्ता नंदी सुत्ता एंड अनुगोदरा और अनुयोग द्वार रिलेटेड टू जर्नलिज्म दीज आर सम टर्म्स रिलेटेड टू जर्नलिज्म यू नीड टू गो इन डिटेल अबाउट दीज थिंग्स जस्ट रिमेंबर दीज टर्म्स द जैन पुराणास द श्वेतांबर कॉल देम चरितास आर हिजियोग्राफीज ऑफ द जैन सेंट्स नोन एज तीर्थंकरास दादी पुराण नेरेट्स द लाइफ ऑफ द फर्स्ट तीर्थंकर ऋषभ ऑल्सो नोन एज आदिनाथ द एट्थ सेंचुरी हरिवंश पुराण गिव्स अ जैन वर्जन ऑफ द स्टोरीज ऑफ द कौरवास पांडवास कृष्णा बलराम एंड अदर्स द त्रिशस्ती लक्षण महापुराण बाय जिनसेन एंड गुणभद्रा हैज लाइफ स्टोरीज ऑफ वेरियस जैन सेंट्स किंग्स एंड हीरोज द परिशिष्ट प्रवण बाय हेमचंद्र गिव्स अ हिस्ट्री ऑफ द अर्लिएस्ट जैन टीचर्स Now coming to Sangam literature. Three Sangams held: Madurai, Kapatpuram, and Madurai. First and third Sangam held in Madurai. The middle one, second one, held at Kapatpuram. Tolakapiyam is a work on grammar. Thiruvalluvar's Thirukkural, a work on ethics, polity, and love. Two famous Tamil epics you already know: Silpadikram and Manimikali. Silpadikram by Elango. It is a story of three people. Kovalan and Kannaki, and Kovalan's affair with Madhavi, extramarital affair-like situation. Mani Meklai, it is by Saktanar. It's a story of Prince Uday Kumar and Mani Meklai. Then comes Alwar and Nayanar literature. Nathmuni collected the Alwar, Vaishnavite hymns, with the canon known as the Nalayira Divya Prabandham. The hymns of the Nayanar saints. were compiled in the 10th century by Nambi Andar Nambi and this compilation formed the core of the Shaiva canon the Tirumurai Nambi Andar Nambi wrote a work called the Tiruttondar Tiruvantati about the saints in the 12th century the accounts of the Shaiva saints were collected in a text called the Periyapuranam Kamalpakkam were poetic compositions कोवई वर पोयम्स सम एग्जाम्पल्स ऑफ कोवई आर पंथिक कोवई और सिक्स सेवन सेंचुरी वर्क रिटर्न इन ऑनर ऑफ द पांड्य किंग नेतुराम नेतुमारन मनिक कवचाकर तिरुकोवैयर नाइन्थ सेंचुरी इन प्रेज ऑफ द गॉड शिवा पोयम मोलिप पुलवर्स तंछईवनन कोवई थर्टीन सेंचुरी कॉम्पोजिशन सॉरी फॉर द प्रोनाउंसिएशन इफ आई read something in a wrong manner i apologize for that kannada literature oldest surviving piece of literature in this language is the kaviraj marga a work on poetics karnataka was a stronghold of jainism and a significant part of early medieval kannada literature had jain themes the best known poets of the 10th century were pampa ponna and ranna all of whom wrote jain purans Pampa wrote Adi Puran, an account of the life of the first Tirthankara Rishabh or Adinath. Vikramarjun Vijaya, based on the Mahabharata story. Ponna, known as Ubhay Kavi Chakravarti, wrote both in Sanskrit and in Kannada. Chavundaraya wrote the Trishasti Lakshana Mahapuran, an account of the twenty-four giant saints in continuous prose. Nagachandra or Abhinav Pampa. wrote the ramachandra charit puran one of many jain versions of the ramayana story nemi nath lilavati 
tells us the love story of a Kadamba prince and a beautiful princess. Now covering in very brief Telugu literature. Nannaya laid the foundation of Telugu poetic style and known as Vaganu Shasanundu, maker of speech. Tikkana composed a work called the Uttaramayanamu. Nanne Choda, author of the Kumar Sambhavamu. Some famous authors and their works, not included, what is in NCRT also, and very easy. So covering only those which are mentioned in this book exclusively. Ashwaghosha's compositions. Ashwaghosha composed Buddha Charit, Sari Putra Prakaran, and Sondrananda. Bhasha composed Pancharatra, Dutvakya, Balacharit, Swapna Vasavdatta. Kalidas, very important. Now Kalidas composed two things, plays and poetry. His famous plays, Abhigyan Shakuntalam, Malvik Agnimitram, Vikramur Varshya. And his poetic works, Raghuvansh, Kumar Sambhav, Meghdut. Vishakadatta, he wrote Mudra Rakshas and Devi Chandragupta. Devi Chandragupta is related to Gupta King Ramagupta. Pandit Vishnu Sharma, we all know this. Pandit Vishnu Sharma wrote Panchatantra. Somadev, Kathasarit Sagar, Bharat Muni, Natya Shastra, easy one. Varaha Mihir, Brahat Sahinta. Now there are three terms mentioned in the book. Krishi Parashar, Dakar Bochan, Khanar Bochan. These three terms actually are the texts, agriculture related texts composed in Bengal region. Vakpati composed Godvaha, Bilhana composed Vikramanak Devcharit, Sandhyakar Nandi composed Ramcharita, Hemachandra composed Kumarpal Charita, Banbhatta composed Harsharita and Kadambari. Now coming to foreign writers account on India, basically Greek, Chinese and Arabic travelers. One of the most famous works in the is the Indica of Megasthenes. He was ambassador of Seleucus Nicator to the court of Chandragupta Maurya. Fayan travels extended from 399 to 414 AD and were confined to northern India. Hoinsang came in 629 AD and spent over 10 years in India. Yaitseng, another 7th century Chinese traveller, he lived for 10 years in Nalanda. Al Mamun, the 9th century Abbasid Caliph, established an academy called the Beit Al Hikmah, known as House of Wisdom, in Baghdad. The scholars of this academy busied themselves with an ambitious project of translating Greek, Persian, and Sanskrit texts on philosophy and science into Arabic. Al Baruni, Al Baruni, also known as Abu Rihan. So his work, Tahkik e Hind, covers a large number of topics about India, almost everything. So, uh, if a question comes like uh, Al Baruni's Tahkik e Hind talked about on these topics, now four statement given like which is the trend these days, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and about astrology, about uh, robbery, about slavery. Are you getting like that? So, if that kind of a question came, 
just mark all of the above because he talked about everything so al-baruni's tahqeeq hind covers a large number of topics about india almost everything the firdausi's shahnama a classic of persian poetry and the gulistan by the famous poet saadi refer incidentally to aspects of indian trait epigraphy epigraphy is a study of inscriptions panini's ashtadhyayi refer to the word lippi lippi's script the oldest deciphered inscriptions belong to the late 4th century bce and are in brahmi and kharosthi these include those of ashoka which are in a number of different languages and scripts but mostly in the prakrit language and brahmi script brahmi is written from left to right kharosthi from right to left the first definite literary references to writing and written documents occur in the buddhist pali texts especially the jatakas and the vinaya pitaka both the brahmi and kharosthi scripts can be described as semi syllabic or semi alphabetic this is very important ashoka's shahabaz gadi and mansehra inscriptions are in kharosthi script in the late 6th century gupta brahmi evolved into a script known as siddhamatrika or kutila three southern scripts emerged in the early medieval period granth tamil and vattiluttu the first of these was used for writing sanskrit the second and third for writing tamil so granth tamil and vattiluttu these are southern scripts The first long Sanskrit inscription is the Junagadh rock inscription of the Western Kshatriya king Rudradaman. Many different eras were used in ancient and early medieval India. To cite a few examples, the Vikram era of 58 BCE, the Shaka era 78 AD, the Kalachuri Chedi era 248 AD, and the Gupta era 319 to 320 AD. The Kollam era of 824 AD was used in inscriptions of Kerala and adjoining parts of Tamil Nadu while the Chalukya Vikram era of 1076 was used in some inscriptions of Karnataka and adjoining areas. Ashoka's edicts and royal land grants are examples of official records. Inscriptions recording grants made by private individuals or guilds to temples or to Buddhist or jain establishments are examples of private records the earliest stone inscriptions recording land grants with tax exemptions are satvahana and chhatrapati epigraphs found at nasik now some very important boxes memorial stone memorial stones and their inscriptions reflect the values and ideals that ancient communities associated with life and death in the andhra region such stones are known as chhaya stump the largest concentration of memorial stones is in karnataka the maria and murya gond tribe of the bastar region of madhya pradesh currently this region is in chatisgarh is still erect memorials of stone and wood sita benga jogimara caves situated at ramgarh hills chatisgarh the jogimara caves lies to the south of sitabenga both caves have inscriptions in a prakrit dialect 
engraved in Brahmi letters. Inscriptions in these caves are related to Devadasi culture. So this is very important box. Remember this. Ashokan Brahmi script was deciphered by efforts of Charles Wilkins, Captain A. Troyer, W. H. Mill, J. Stevenson and James Pinsip. They all tried to read early medieval Brahmi inscriptions and then worked at deciphering the older Brahmi letters. The final step in the decipherment of the 3rd century BCE modern Brahmi was made by James Princip in 1837. But do you know, Princip had no idea about Piyadasi mentioned therein. Soon, very important fact, George Turnover identified the king as Ashoka because Ashoka is known as Devanam Piyadasi. So it was George Turnover who read the name of Ashoka for the first time that Piyadasi mentioned in the inscription is no one else but Ashoka only. And he did on the basis of references in Deepavansha. So James Princip is your previous year question but now George Turnover could be a potential question. So George Turnover identified the king as Ashoka. Another stylized ornate form of the Brahmi script referred to by scholars as Shankhlipi. There is a script similar to Brahmi on terracotta seals at sites such as Chandraketugarh and Tamluk in eastern India. Numismatics. Numismatics is the study of coins. The basic unit of Indian coin weight systems was a red and black seed of the Gunja berry known as the Raktika, Rakti and Rati. In South India, the standard weight of coins was theoretically calculated on the basis of the relationship between two kinds of beans the Manjadi and the Kalanju. Now Raktika, Ratti, Rati, Manjadi, Kalanju. These terms related to coinage of ancient India. The oldest coins found in the subcontinent are punch marked coins made mostly of silver, some of copper. The Kushanas were the first dynasty of the subcontinent to mint large quantities of gold coins. Their silver coins are rare. Some coins with the word Negam seem to represent coins issued by merchant guilds. Certain Takshila coins with the legend Panch Nekame may have been issued jointly by five guilds. The imperial Gupta kings issued gold coins with, mat with mat metrical legends in Sanskrit, known as Dinars. Gupta king gold coins are known as Dinars. These coins have been mostly found in North India. These are interesting instances of coins of Samadragupta. Oh, sorry. There are interesting instances of coins of Samadragupta and Kumar Gupta one showing them playing the Veena. The performance of the Ashwamedha sacrifice by Samadragupta and Kumar Gupta one is recorded on the coins. The archer and battle axe coin types of Samadragupta predictably advertise his physical prowess, while the lyricist type, which shows him playing the Veena represents a completely different aspect of his personality. The Guptas also issued silver coins, but their copper coins are rare. In Kashmir, copper coins were supplemented by bills of exchange, known as hundika, denominated in terms of coins or grain, and the use of kauris. The tiger crest is the emblem on chola coins. The seals of several chola copper plate inscriptions show the tiger, fish, 
the pandyan emblem and bow the chira emblem so these three emblem is important the tiger chola fish pandyas and bow chira so the seals of several chola copper plate inscriptions show the tiger fish and bow indicating that the cholas had achieved political supremacy over these two dynasties in many parts of early medieval india kodis continued to be used as money along with coins most of the indo greek kings are known almost entirely from their coins the term gana on coins of the yodhyas and malvas points to their non monarchical polity that's it for this chapter mug up all authors and their works as much as possible this chapter gave three previous year questions remember about josh tornava because he identified the name of ashoka for the first time and this information is mentioned in the box also brahmanical literature i know not so important for exam but just mentioned some points which you must read actually and at last khuddak nikaya's important work can be future questions see you in next chapter